Good morning. Nice to see you this beautiful Southern California Sunday morning. And uh, would you this morning open your Bibles to, I'm going to have to look up Second Chronicles 1-3 that Charlie keeps telling us we're reading together. But uh, our actual verse this morning is found in Second Corinthians chapter 1. We'll look at verses 3 through 7. And as you're turning there, thank you, Dave. Uh, just a heads up about Wednesday, we'll be looking at 1 Samuel 28. <coughs> Excuse me, if you'd like to join us for that. So, are you ready this morning? Here we go. Let's look at our PowerPoint verse and word for the year. And we've noted in previous visits, in previous months, that our word has a series of duets, if you will, associated with it. We find that our word is pronounced two different ways. It's written in two different languages. And in those two different languages, there are two different words translated into blessed or blessed are two pronunciations. Now in Matthew 5, 11 to 12, we're told the blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. For what reason? For my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward. Where? In heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the Greek word translated as blessed is makarios, and it means supremely blessed. It can mean fortunate. It can be translated as well-off, or it can simply mean happy or even, oh, how happy. Now, the word in our text <clears throat> is actually eulogetos, and it means reverential adoration. Now, the key for establishing our direction this morning, as it uh, is the first word in our text, said eulogetos, uh, it is followed by words, rather interestingly, after telling us about being supremely blessed uh, and our God being such, it's followed by words like tribulation, trouble, sufferings, afflicted, and we are even identified as partakers in all of those things. Now, I have to say that list of life descriptions is not something that I would automatically think I am supremely blessed by tribulation and trouble. Is anybody else here this morning? Now, obviously, then, our topic is going to be reverential adoration in the midst of tribulation, trouble, suffering, and afflictions. And we also need to note that within this string of negative experiences, we are also going to find words dispersed in their bits like comfort, consolation, enduring, and salvation, which in this context means deliverance. Now, to set a background for our text, we need to remember what Paul is going through at the time of this writing. There had been a group of false teachers who had rolled into the city of Corinth and began to attack him as they claimed apostolic authority themselves. And their teaching had infested and even infected the church at Corinth and led some of the Christians there to rebel against the authority of the apostle Paul and reject his teaching. Now, their plan was rather clear. They wanted to introduce heresy into the church, and they were representatives, Paul would say, of Satan disguised as messengers of light. But in order to teach their heresy, they first had to discredit anyone who taught truth, and that being the Apostle Paul. 
So they attacked Paul with slanderous accusations. They accused him of all types of sins. They accused him of sexual immorality. They accused him of embezzlement. They said he was a fake. They said he was a fraud and he lacked credibility. He lacked integrity. They went as far to say he wasn't from God and he didn't represent the truth. Now it's under this barrage of enemy attacks that Paul wrote what we are about to read. Now, that brings us to our title this morning, and our title is, Turn That Frown Upside Down. No, I'm kidding. That's not our title this morning. Our title is actually, The Blessings of Suffering. The Blessings of Suffering. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Suffering is not a blessing. And within the context of our thoughts, we would be right. However, We do need to understand the biblical context of the tribulations, troubles, and trials that we all go through. And therefore, our subject this morning is not going to try and convince us differently from what we think, but rather to remind us and redefine our thinking in that there is a purpose in our tribulations. There is a purpose in our troubles. There is a purpose in our suffering. And when we are encountering these things, we must maintain reverential adoration during those times. Somebody say, Amen. Now, so let's learn what we ought to do and how we are to conduct ourselves during times and experiences that we all actually want to avoid. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants tribulation. Nobody wants the troubles of this world, yet we will all be partakers of them. So, would you stand and read with me, please, from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can read 2 Chronicles if you like, but we'll be in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 1, looking at verses 3 through 7. Read along with me, please. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. And Lord, we are grateful for this text this morning because of what you have reminded us through the Apostle Paul, that difficulties and tribulations, attacks and trials are part of the Christian experience. But, Lord, may we also remember that that will all be over someday when we are present and always with you from that day forward. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to equip the saints this morning for the work of ministry. Do so by your matchless word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, the first thing for us to consider is from verses 3 and 4 where we're introduced to a rather interesting Greek term translated as comfort. It is a Greek word parakletos, and it is used to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's something important as we move forward this morning. 
Now, in John 14, 15 to 17, we find the word also used and translated as helper. When Jesus told his disciples, if you love me, keep my suggestions. And I, keep my what? Commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another paracletus, a helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be where? In you. Now, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is our helper. The word means comforter. The word means advocate. The word means Consoler, just as we find in our verses in 2 Corinthians. Now, Paul assigns the oversight and manifestations of mercy and comfort to God the Father and adds that he comforts us in all of our tribulations. Aren't you glad for the word all this morning? Now, the comfort that we receive is then to be extended to others who are in, and Paul uses the phrase, Any trouble, any type of tribulation, any type of distress, any type of peril, all the things that Paul himself had experienced. Now, this leads to our first consideration, since one of the tendencies I think we all have as believers is that when we're going through something, we want to compare it to what other people are going through. Or we want to contrast somebody else's experience with our own. And we want to measure our trials by the gravity of those others are experiencing or the absence of troubles in the life of other people. Now, one of our tendencies when we go through trials is to look around instead of looking up. So we need to keep our eyes focused on the one who is the God of all comfort and the father of mercies. And that's where you say, amen. Now, here's the first thing I want you to recognize as we go through our own particular difficulties or any kind of trouble, as Paul would say. Listen this morning. We may not all share the same sufferings, but we do all share in God's faithfulness. We may not all share in the same sufferings, but we do all share in God's faithfulness. Now, one of the things I've reminded you all in time past when we visited subjects such as this, is that when you come through a time of trial, turn around, somebody else is coming. Somebody needs to learn from your experience and abilities and the comfort you received and the consolation you received in the midst of your own trial. Now, a reminder from a family group that had a rather sordid past, and it is from the sons of Korah in Psalm 42, whose ancestor challenged the authority of Moses and his family uh, had the ground open up and they were swallowed with all their possessions. In Psalm 42, look at the contrast to that past experience, where in 1 to 5, the sons of Korah say, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why then 
Are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? And then the answer to these rhetorical questions comes, hope in what? Or who? I should say hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The the word countenance means the face. Figuratively, the word can mean favor, which is consistent with what we read here in verse 1 of our PowerPoint verse this morning, that mercy and comfort are manifestations of divine favor in the life of those who are experiencing trials, tribulations, or any kind of trouble. Now, the sons of Korah go on to say what many have felt, and some may even be here today having these very feelings when they said, again, Psalm 42, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, again? Why are you disquieted within me? Here comes the counsel again, the self-counsel, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my what? My God. Listen, if you feel like you've been forgotten by God, that's not possible. You haven't been. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Come on, that's better than that. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And listen, if you're enduring a trial, if you are suffering, or if you are experiencing any kind of trouble, the comfort you receive is that of the Holy Spirit. And this becomes a ministry tool for your future encounters with those who are going through their own tribulations. And listen, being used by God in any capacity, whether to reach individuals or millions, is a privilege that is undeserved for you and I. And therefore, it is a cause for reverential adoration, even and through our own sufferings. God is faithful. Amen? Now, verse 5 reminds us again, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. And Paul talks about the sufferings of Christ abounding in us and the consolation through Christ as being simultaneous experiences. Peter had this same mindset when he wrote in 4, 1 through 4 of his first letter, where he said, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with what? With the, this one's an invisible link. I don't know if you can see it. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. And then the will of the Gentiles is described as walking in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Paul's behavior brought about the attacks on him and his character, and even questions about the authenticity of his apostleship. Jesus' behavior brought about attacks on him. 
questions about his authority and even his deity was called into question because of the teaching statements and miracles that he performed. Peter says, listen, Christ suffered in the flesh and so will you, so will I. And for those who suffer in the flesh, they have ceased from sin, meaning they have refrained from sin, which is the very thing that stirs up opposition, attacks, trials, tribulations, and the sufferings that we endure. Now, Peter would go on to say, same chapter, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. There we are, partakers once again of suffering. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, what's the next word? Blessed are you. Happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is what? Glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Peter says, listen, as Christians, we're not going to be strangers to trials and tribulations that are related directly to our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter does there at the end insert a distinction between the pains we may experience for sins, even sins that are forgiven or the this life consequences of them. But then he goes on to say, if anyone suffers as a Christian, don't be ashamed of this, but rather glorify God during this time of any trouble. We may add to that. Now, here's what we need to take away from this uh Reminder of verse 5. Listen this morning. Trials and tribulations are supernatural experiences. Trials and tribulations are supernatural experiences. Remember, Jesus told the disciples on the eve of a rather significant uh, transition in their own earthly ministry. In other words, the head of the apostles and disciples was about to be translated into heaven after his own death time in the tomb and resurrection and rise early on the morning, early in the morning on the first day of the week. And the Lord was telling them, listen, there's one who is not just going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. And we have that same promise today. And because that one who is in us is the one who consoles us, all of our sufferings are automatically in the realm of the supernatural because the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives. Are you guys here this morning? Now, think about how Paul and Peter have connected suffering trials, tribulations for Christ with the consoling ministry of the Holy Spirit. Peter goes as far to say that our trials and reproaches at the hands of others are a means to both bless and glorify God. But we also know that during times such as these, flesh and emotions try and take over and direct our thoughts, dictate our attitude, and even life direction. And yet the abundance of trials is always met with the abounding power, presence, and consolation of the Holy Spirit, which makes our trials supernatural by nature and reminds us that we can bless the Lord at all times. As 
David would write in Psalm 34, 1. His praise can continually be in our mouth because when we are in any trouble, we are consoled by his spirit and in his power, even when everything seems to be working against us. After all, John the Beloved would say in 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Here's why. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, listen, I'm not saying that we should be all happy clappy all the time, no matter what happens to us. Jesus despised the shame of the cross. David talked about like the sons of Korah. His soul was disquieted. There were things that bothered him. There were things that troubled him. But there is a supernatural component even in those things because of the consolation that we have through Christ via the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, which is part of the blessings of suffering. Aren't you glad when you're in any trouble, you're not in it alone? And the Spirit of God is in and with you and will never abandon you. Now, let's look at 6 and 7 briefly once again. Now, Paul says, now, if we are afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. Now, throughout this letter, Paul shares the ache in his heart over the attacks that were made against him. He cites various trials and troubles that have afflicted him. And he does so not for the sake of sympathy, but rather to establish his identity as an apostle, making the point that suffering is evidence of his apostleship. Which reminds us of what Jesus said in John 15, 18 to 25 to the same group of disciples. He said, if the world hates you, you messed up somehow. No, if the world hates you, what? You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, but I chose you, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for what reason? For my name's sake. Because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me for what reason? No reason. Without a cause or justification. Now, what Paul is saying here is something I believe we all need to remember. And it may be at one time or another where we're experiencing any trouble, tribulation, trial and suffering. And Paul is saying, listen, my trials aren't because of my sin, as you say. My trials aren't because of my errant teaching, as you accuse. You want to know what my apostolic credentials actually are? My apostolic credentials are the suffering for Christ's name's sake. 
Paul wants the Corinthians, and I believe you and I, to know that in spite of his pain, trials, and tribulation, he's not moaning, he's not complaining, he's rejoicing because no matter the extent of his trials, the comfort of God has always reached him there. Now, I have to say, I have seen very few indisputable truths that are equal to an expression of faith and a glorification of God by those who are in deep seasons of suffering, trial, and tribulation, or even laying on their deathbed, awaiting the Lord to come take them home. People talking about the goodness of God while suffering. People talking about the faithfulness of God while enduring great tribulation. And Paul says, I'm not suffering because of my sin. I'm suffering for your sake because someday you're going to suffer too and you're going to need a steadfast hope. You're going to need the Holy Spirit's consolation as you partake in the same sufferings that I am. And how I handle my suffering is an object lesson to all of you. Now, that means that if we can adjust our thinking and attitude to incorporate the blessings of suffering as we're talking about this morning, then we'll be able to handle suffering differently than we have in the past. So here's our final takeaway. Are you ready this morning? Here's the last thing I want you to consider. Suffering is God doing something in and through you, not to you. Suffering is God doing something in and through you, not to you. Paul is telling the church at Corinth, listen, this isn't God slapping me down. This isn't God disciplining me. This is part of the believer's package. This is something that happens to all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Now think about it. What's among the first questions we ask when trials and tribulations and suffering comes our way? I think for most of us, we would readily admit to saying, what did I do? Why has this happened to me? And this is what the Corinthians assumed about Paul. Their thinking was, anybody that's suffering the way Paul is, a day and night in the sea, beaten with rods five times, imprisoned often, in peril often, in trouble with his countrymen, being chased all over the country. This guy must be a huge sinner. And Paul says, no, it's not about sin. It's about modeling for you how to deal with your own struggles and sufferings. Now, their thinking was anybody who suffers as much as Paul has to be out of the will of God or sinning directly against God. And Paul says, you better get rid of that kind of thinking because your turn's coming. And the fact is, what he is saying is that all Christians suffer. And radical, on-fire Christians are going to suffer a lot for his name's sake. Yet they will all receive the same consolation that we see in Paul and those we find in the hall of faith and the names of people we have encountered in life who are worthy of having their names in the hall of faith, who suffer yet glorify God in it. Now, in 1 Peter 3, 13 to 17, Peter says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Here's the attitude in which we do it with meekness and fear. 
having a good conscience. There's that thing Peter mentioned about ceasing from sin. That when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for what? Doing good than for doing evil. Now, I said it earlier, I'll make the open confession again today. I don't like trials. I don't like to suffer. I don't like tribulation any more than any of you. But what I do know is that none of us are exempt from them. And often target, oftentimes we are targets of them. But suffering is not purposeless. It is not God doing something to you. It is God doing something in and through you, as Paul says here. He says, what I'm going through is for your benefit. And since the Holy Spirit is our helper in every trial, that makes our trials supernatural experiences. And while we may suffer trials and tribulations at different times and in different ways, God remains steadfast to us all in his faithfulness through them, for he cannot deny himself. Listen, these are the blessings of suffering. The Spirit of the Lord is with us, and he is in us, and he comforts us in all of our afflictions. So listen, if God, within his will, has allowed a time of suffering, tribulation, trial to come into your life, don't just look and pray for the way out. Look for the lesson within and what he's trying to do in you. Amen? Now, Father, we are grateful for our time in your matchless word this morning, and we ask now that you would uh, be over this closing section of our time together today. And we thank you, Lord, that as we go through these things in life, that we don't face them alone. And, Lord, how sad it is that so many uh, face the same tribulations we do as Christians, though for another reason, the loss of a loved one or job or anything else, and they do it without the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. And therefore, they do not have the consolation we have in you. So we thank you for this blessing of the sufferings we encounter in this life, that you are with us and you are in us as we encounter them all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people agree by saying, Amen. Amen.